0: So Jesus stands there in the temple precincts, inviting his questioners to inspect with him the silver coin they have just produced at his request. Whose head is this and whose title? Or more literally and more helpfully, I think, whose image, whose icon is this and whose inscription? Let's pause right there to ask if that rings any bells in our biblical memory banks. To a mind steeped in scripture, like those for whom Matthew wrote his gospel or like those gathered around Jesus at that moment, peering at that coin, what passages might come to mind? I think of two in particular. First, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Or in the older language that still may resonate for many of us, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And a graven image is exactly what this coin was. Jesus asks about the image and about the inscription. That inscription was this, Tiberius, Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, that is, sign of the god Augustus. In fact, this coin, like all coins, it had two sides. It was a double graven image. The reverse side had as the inscription another of Tiberius's titles, Pontifex Maximus, high priest, and it showed an image of the go- of the goddess Roma, Rome herself in other words, represented by a portrait of the empress Livia that might echo in your TV memory banks. If you saw the delicious 1970s BBC series, I, Claudius, you'll remember Livia. And if not, it might be time to watch it again or for the first time. So while this passage has often been cited as a endorsement of the separation of church and state, that kind of goes out the window right there, doesn't it? This coin was a religious object as Jesus is making very clear perhaps to the discomfort of whoever had dug it out of their pocket and right there in the temple to boot. And the controversy around this, around this coin, and the tax for which you were required to use it, this controversy was nothing new. Inspecting the coin, Jesus might well have remembered Judas the Galilean, who had led a violent revolt right in the area Jesus was growing up in when he would have been nine or ten years old. A revolt against the Roman census and Roman taxation, against the idolatry of Roman coin and Roman rule. It seems possible Jesus himself may have seen some of these rebels hanging and dying on crosses on the roadsides in Galilee when he was a boy and followers of Judas the Galilean, known as Zealots, were still around. And it seems that at least one of Jesus' close disciples, Simon the Zealot, had belonged to that movement. And Simon was probably right there in the crowd that day in the temple, watching this deadly debate unfold. Yes, deadly. Despite the flattering preamble what jesus has just been asked is it lawful and of course here lawful means consistent with torah is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not that was a very loaded question it was the perfect question jesus's opponents are forcing him to choose between his popularity and his life. Either way, he's out of their hair. If he says, yes, it's consistent with Torah, he'll immediately be branded as a sellout and lose the respect and affection and attention of the vast majority who hated Roman rule. But if he says, no, it's not, he'll immediately be denounced to the Romans as a zealot agitator and end up on a cross, which of course is where he ended up, but not over this, not over Rome. So can you appreciate the tension and the danger in this moment? So as familiar as it may be to us, When we hear Jesus' reply, well then, give back to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. I think that to hear that right, we need to hear it first as absolutely unexpected and second as absolutely brilliant. It was the perfect trap and with the perfect answer, Jesus walks away unscathed. Third, it's absolutely true, as everybody standing around would have agreed. A see, collaborationist would probably have said, absolutely right, Jesus, people should pay the tax to the emperor. And a zealot probably would have said, absolutely right, Jesus, Let Caesar take his stinking, blasphemous coins and get the hell out of here. Which is to say that besides being absolutely unexpected, absolutely brilliant, and absolutely true, Jesus' answer is fourth, absolutely ambiguous. He doesn't say what belongs to the emperor and what belongs to God. What do you think? One mistake that we can easily make as modern people hearing this text is that we might think that what belongs to the emperor and what belongs to God are more or less parallel categories with a clean line between them. But that's our biblical illiteracy speaking as well as anachronistic ideas of clean, separate, spiritual and political spheres that really no one ever thought of until maybe 500 years ago. Very recently, in other words. The thing is, if we hear what Jesus is saying with biblically attuned ears, if we're sensitive to echoes in the Hebrew scriptures, will immediately realize that these are not equal parallel categories. What belongs to God? What, What might echo with that in the biblical memory? Try this on from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and all who dwell therein. For it is he that has founded it upon the seas and made it firm upon the rivers of the deep. Everything. Everything anyway, that is real and true and actually exists. Everything belongs to God. Not much left for Caesar, right? Or rather... Whatever does belong to Caesar is part of a subset of what belongs to God. Whatever belongs to Caesar, however big or small that list or category is, belongs first and last already and always to God. Now, maybe I'm making you nervous that I'm preaching theocracy here, uh, which I'm not, at least not in the way I think that's usually understood. What I'm saying is, I believe Jesus leaves it open. He leaves it to his questioners. He leaves it to his followers. He leaves it to us to sort out with the guidance of the spirit, with our resources of scripture, tradition, reason, experience, and so forth. He leaves it to us to sort out in different times and different places under different circumstances, including different political and economic circumstances, what it is that belongs to the emperor. Within the big picture of offering everything back to God, what is the much smaller picture of the legitimate claims of the state, including what it might mean in our case for you and me to give back to Uncle Sam the things that are Uncle Sam's? That's a very important question these days and I'm not sure that we Americans are doing a great job at sorting it out. But first and foremost, what does it mean, what might it mean to give back to God the whole world? to live in the consciousness that this beautiful, intricately resplendent world that we have so wasted and polluted belongs not to us, not to any of us, not to Uncle Sam, not to Caesar, but only to God. I dare say this question is pressing for us in a way that it would have been impossible to imagine 2,000 years ago, and it's a far more important question than taxes. What do you think? What might it mean? What might that look like for humans to recognize and honor the earth and all that is in it as belonging to God? I think it's fair to say that we humans and we Christians have not done such a great job on this. Now here at Incarnation, as you may be aware, we've entered into the time of our stewardship pledge campaign for 2021. And I'm not going to talk about that at any length here, except to mention I think it's worth reflecting worth asking ourselves how that smaller question of how uh, how will i honor god with my finances in support of this parish that that question is a small piece a subset of the larger question what does it mean and what might it look like for me to remember that we humans are stewards of the whole creation that it all belongs to God. And what might it look like to honor that reality with our actions and in everything we do? And I hope that each of us will ask, how can I make my participation at incarnation a harmonious part of that bigger song? These words of Jesus today have often been taken as letting us off the hook of hard thinking about the real world and the claims of the state. But I think Jesus' words are the hook. His answer is a question that we need constantly to ask ourselves afresh. Back toward the beginning of the sermon, I said that when Jesus asked about the image on the coin, it sort triggered echoes of at least two important passages of scripture. And I mentioned the first about the graven images. The second one is this from Genesis. God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Image, image, image. So the coin in Jesus' hand with the image of Tiberius becomes a parable of you and me, of the human being held in God's hand, imprinted with God's image and bearing the inscription, I have called you by name, you are mine. The whole world is God's, and likewise, the whole person. Hear, O Israel, the Lord Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. All, all, all. What do you think? We are gathered again and again by Jesus to be made whole, to receive the life and the very self of God who is all and gives all. And our all, my all, your all is so small in comparison but in God's eyes, it's vast and gorgeous. And we can spend a lifetime struggling and learning to give and offer the all that is you and the all that is me. Good news. These halting efforts of ours to give back to God the things that are God's. Our efforts are blessed and made good by Jesus who himself holds and offers us in our broken completeness. Jesus, in whose self-offering we are included and made whole, bound together in his body, offered once and for all and today for the life of the whole world. Can you and I become more and more the embodiment of this holy consciousness of offering the whole world and our whole selves singing a new song, joining in the gesture of giving it all back into the stream of infinite love from which it comes.